Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thankful that you are here. Thankful for your love. You love us when we don't deserve it. Your love reigns forever. And you reign forever. May we know who the true king is. It's not us. Uh, It's not other people we want to impress. Uh, It is you. And you love us and you accept us uh, as we are when we come to you. May we draw close to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. Thankful to our worship team for leading us. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2. If you do not have a Bible, there are some in the back. You're welcome to pick one up. Uh, Reading today, classic Christmas story of the wise men and Herod uh, and the flight to Egypt. Uh, But before that, we are, as has been said, in Advent. Uh, Advent literally means prepare for the coming, uh, the coming of a Savior. Uh, Jesus came in the past, uh, born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. We remember that. Uh, He will come again in the future. Uh, That's biblical. Uh, Often uh, we forget that. You know, it was said the early Christians uh, would always keep their eyes on the skies. Uh, I know present-day Christians, uh, at least this one, uh, doesn't always do that. But he will come again. Uh, And he comes now. He has already come now by the power of his Spirit. uh, In children, in worship, in the joining. uh, That that can always seem technical, but in the joining into a church community, in uh, the visiting and the greeting of those we know, those that we don't know. Uh, He comes now. He comes moment by moment. Uh, My question for all of us is, when He comes, how do you respond? How do you respond when Jesus comes? Because when He comes again, literally, it'll be too late. Or When you see him again, literally, at death, I don't want it to be too late. So, like, seriously, how do you you respond to Emmanuel? So, let's read this, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, and then uh, see what it says for us. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. 
Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Stop there. What I want to uh, show, or what I hope God shows us, uh, is the context uh, of this scripture. I'm going to go a little deeper into it. But I believe that this scripture can show the center of our hearts, the comfort of Jesus Christ, and the challenge for the church. We're going to look at this passage, but I do believe it shows the center of each of our hearts, the comfort Jesus Christ brings, the challenge for us as a church and really for every church. Okay? So some context. Uh, why did Matthew write this? He's the only one who did. We might say, well, I mean, it's a great Christmas story. You know, wise men, star, gifts. I mean, it is. It's, it's great. We need the wise men for the nativity scenes. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's nice. But there's kind of a deeper reason than that. You see, the, the gospel writers, and when I say the gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they had a lot of information about Jesus' life. And they were very selective with what they put in. So, in everything, you could ask, why is this in there? Well, if it's in there, it's factual. So this was fact. And if it's in there, it should be meaningful. And it should tell us something about Christmas and about Jesus. It, it should, if we're, if we're listening. And I know a lot of things compete for our attention, but if we're listening to the Lord. So, why? Well, you know, let's kind of go over it again. So, wise men from the east, uh, they believed that they were from uh, Persia, uh, so what is now present-day Iran. Uh, so, if you hear the news, you know, Iranian nuclear deal, that's kind of where the wise men came from. Uh, different race, uh, were not religious, more skeptical, agnostic, atheist, new astronomy, obviously, you know, came to Herod, who at that point uh, was king. And, you know, it's always interesting. They go to the king and they say, where is the king? Uh, you know, imagine how that makes a king feel. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But came to Herod. Now, when, um, when it says Herod was trouble, that's like one of the biggest understatements maybe in Scripture, okay? I mean, Herod was very violent. Uh, we did not read this, but you really, to get the whole story, you re- really need to read all of Matthew 2, because Herod was so violent that he killed all of the children under two in, in Bethlehem. And Matthew makes some of this, but it was honestly, they believe, so common, so widespread, that it didn't bear a lot of note. Uh, they believe that it was probably about 30 kids under two. Uh, that Herod slaughtered. Um, it's a very violent man. That's why, you know, you can say it's quite an understatement that he was, that he was troubled. Uh, Joseph uh, fled to Egypt. We didn't read this part either. We're going, going further. Uh, they believe that he moved to Alexandria, Egypt. Uh, and so Jesus lived there for a while. Uh, and then it says after Herod had died that he uh, came back and went to Nazareth. And so, 
when we talk about refugees, you know, flooding Europe and Italy, uh, we could remember that Jesus was a refugee. Uh, and, you know, when we talk about, and this is not to be a political statement, this just is what it is. Jesus was a refugee. He didn't have a home. He was, you know, he rolled out with his family, not having a home, in hiding, in running, and then came back. I think it bears, it bears to note that. So some context, so Herod was mad, you know, killed these babies. Jesus' family fled. He was a refugee. Came back to Nazareth, uh, another poor town like Bethlehem, both uh, two small, weak, insignificant backwater towns where Jesus, our Savior, uh, was born and then was raised. So that's just some context, a little bit more context. I hope you at least think a little bit more about this classic, you know, Christmas story, but I do think uh, even more so, this scripture shows us the center of our hearts, the center of our hearts. In the Bible, when it talks about the heart, it literally means seat, like a seat, like y'all are sitting in a seat. It's like the seat where everything sits, the mind, the soul, emotions, so it's not like just heart here, mind there, heart emotional mind rational. The heart is the seat of, of the soul, of, of everything. So don't you remember that, the seat. Now, there is much evil in Matthew 2. Again, great Christmas Sunday school story. A lot of evil going down. Treachery, violence, murder, on the run, refugees, all of that. A lot of violence. A lot of evil. Okay? Evil, uh, unfortunately, continues. Uh, one day, Jesus will return and put an end to all evil. And if we believe in him, he will not put an end to us. You know, we, can, we can know that. But evil still goes down. And, and many folks, whether Christian or not, will question, and Christians shouldn't, but they do, you know, what is, what's the cause of evil? And, and really two, well, you say three answers come up, kind of in the news or like documentaries or Mainly a non-Christian response. One of those answers is, well, uh, the the powerful and corrupt really cause evil and injustice. The other answer would be, well, it's the crazy folks that cause evil out in the world. And then the third would be the combination. Because hopefully you don't get someone in power who is nuts. But that is the case. uh, Not, um, No comment about here. But that that can be the case in places around the world. It is. Power, and, and they're crazy. That's not the Christian answer. That's not the biblical answer for where evil comes from. A, a biblical worldview, biblical answer is that evil is the center of every human heart. Every human heart at the center, at the core, is evil. And that causes the evil around the world. Probably something you didn't want to hear coming to children's choir, you know, Christmas service. It's very true. It's a biblical worldview. It's gospel. You're like, how is that? Well, when you have, and we already have seen this, one king come to another king and there's only one throne, there's going to be some conflict. So if the heart is the seat, remember? So it's called the Call our hearts our throne. 
And when you have the true king come and say, I sit on the throne. And we say, I sit on the throne. There's, there's conflict. And all of us, and some of you are having it right now, all of us have this conflict of whether it's Jesus or a preacher or someone you're being discipled by, hopefully, uh, or a teacher or a parent or a spouse. And our hearts say, you can't tell me what to do. And we don't say that. I mean, we don't want to, you know, we, we always, especially in the South, we want to be diplomatic and we want to, we, we hide it well. I mean, we will coat it up in being a team player, colored up in being kind and loving. But our, let me get real. Hard is, you can't tell me what to do. This is my life. Leave me alone. Like, well, where does it say all that in the Bible? Okay, just a couple of scriptures, okay? Um, let me put one. My mom's here. Love my mom. Forgive me, mom. I was going to put this verse. She started crying. I love you, mom. See, anyway, anyway. We'll put this verse up. I'd already planned to put this verse up, mom. I forgot you were coming, so don't be offended. Uh, Luke 14, 26. You'll see what I'm talking about. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Any of y'all know that verse is in Scripture? Okay. Now, obviously, hopefully, I just share, I, I do not hate my mom and dad. Love them, love them, love them. Love you, Mom. Okay. Anyway, but I feel like i got to say it again. Uh, but Jesus isn't talking about the hate that we think of. He is saying, though, he is supreme. He's Lord. He's king. Now, he talks about parents because, I mean, it's, it's actually kind of common to us, you know, they say in the, you know, in the South, it's, you know, who are your people, you know? And family's a big deal. And that's great. But, I mean, Jesus pushes us. And say, I am supreme. You know, over and above everybody else. And he says, I have to be supreme for you to be my disciple. Okay? Uh, Another verse, Romans 3, 10 and 11. Paul writes, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. And he was writing that not just to the church in Rome. He was meaning everybody all over the world. He says, no one seeks God. And so you might say, whoa, whoa, bro, I'm here. I think I'm kind of seeking God, okay? Uh, I mean, I, I, I seek. I want to know him. Well, really, we don't seek God, to be honest. Hey, dude, what are you talking about, you might say? Uh, we seek what God can give. Oh, we say, and guilty as charged here. I was like, man, you want... I'll say this over, you want real purpose in your life? Go to God. So, oh, wait, I want purpose. And my, my life is a wreck. Uh, I'm just flailing. I mean, I'm unhappy. I mean, now the holidays are coming up, and we're like, you know, thank you for, you know, being so joyful, but I get a fake joy all the time. And, you know, I mean, oh, but God gives me this. Or you might say, God gives you strength. Oh, well, I need strength. God gives you purpose. Oh, I need purpose. God gives you forgiveness. I really need to be forgiven. We seek what God gives. All of us are really more or less like gold diggers. We're all marrying for money. We are. Okay? Or we seek the God we want. Okay? And this is, this is real, um, I believe, easy for us religious folks because we're like, well, if I, if I act good, 
then God should bless me. And that's where all this conflict, where we're like, man, I'm like, man, I'm solid, stout, Christian. And, you know, I got, I got cancer? Or I got foreclosure? Or bankruptcy? Or divorce? Or just a, a non-happy life? It's, it's not, not fitting well with the God that I'm drawing up that would, would bless me because I roll like this or look like this or paint it up well. We seek either what God gives or the God we want. We really don't seek the God of the Bible. And, you know, a uh, couple of examples. I mean, I don't know if you're who's reading our Rise with God Bible reading plan, but, you know, you could go through just this week and look at Second Chronicles and Jude. Jude's one chapter. And Second Chronicles talks about God raining fire down from heaven when they completed the temple. We're like, oh, man, that's kind of nice. But, I mean, that's Old Testament. I mean, it's not really real. And then Jude, you should read Jude, it's interesting, uh, talk about God bringing down judgment on those that are, you know, not rolling with him or with him. Oh, yeah. Can we just skip over that a little bit? We don't seek the God of the Bible. You're like, I think that's a Bible, but you know, what about my life? Why is it so hard to pray? Because it's hard to pray. I mean, I know. I mean, my most significant prayer time is always Sunday morning. And I, I said that, I think I said this a year ago, Advent. I mean, my Sunday mornings are uh, less, uh, spend less time like really thinking through what I'm going to say and what I always call this. I want to pray myself hot, okay, with the Spirit. And, and I love that, pray, pray myself hot with the Spirit. Pray, I pray for a lot of you, um, personally, by name. It's hard to pray, but I don't do that every morning. I do that every night. I'm dropping to bed, exhausted. I gotta say something, you know. Thanks, God. I mean, watch over the boys, and, and she said, "I'm out." You know, I pray. Why is it hard to pray? Why is it hard? I said, if those of you who are doing the rise, we got Bible plan. Why is that hard? Think about it. why is that? Why is it hard to repent? I taught last Sunday. And I, I'll say this again, I've done myself a disservice. I mean, I, I'm open about specific sins. We're all, I mean, we're good. You know, oh, I'm a sinner, Romans 3. I got No, let's get open about specific sins. Probably does me a disservice. Why is that hard? Church involvement. Going to church. Mission. Why is that hard? You ever wondered that? Uh, one last example, and I was really convicted about this, and so this... You can look at this as an announcement or not, but, you know, a couple, two weeks ago, I said, hey, man, be here Christmas Eve, and please be here Christmas Eve, it's beautiful, and Christmas Day happens to fall on a Sunday, and I even said, it's two weeks ago, not last week, you know, no church, and man, the Lord's convicted me on that. And you're like, where's he going with this now, okay? <laughs> Where is he? I mean, man, I had it all planned, and so, yes, I'm going there. You know, Christmas Day, why would it be hard for me to say, we need to have church, it's it's Sunday. It's Christmas. Christmas Day. And I'm not, you know, look, don't feel bad. Tyler's worship leader, he's going to be off with his parents out of town. And uh, we got staff who had plans, you know, got plans going. You don't have to be here. I'm saying me and mine are going to be here, and it may just be 10, and we pray. It's Sunday. 
It's Christmas. It's church. Why is that hard? Why is that hard for me? Well, I've got my... Man, it's, it's nice to say, you know, the family of Jesus supplants the family here. Let's get real. It does not. Let's get to the center of your heart. I mean, me, I mean, I want to... Maybe this is you. Man, chill. You know, I got the, the wrapping paper everywhere. And the fire, and it may be 80 degrees, we'll still have the fire. And, you know, and, you know, have, you know, Christmas cocktail, which, you know, I, I will, you know. And, and then, you know, just rolling and, man, to get up here to just, I don't know, pray to King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Like, well, you know, I can do that at my home. And, well, church is plan, God's plan A and not plan B. And, you know, who, hey, maybe a neighbor could, like, show up that day. Man, center of my heart's evil. Center of my heart is evil. Down in there. Okay? Now, you might say one of the scripture up here, Romans 5 1. Hey, I'm a Christian. You know, talk about Advent, joy, peace, you know, all good. Come on. Romans 5 1 is true. Therefore, since we have been justified, which means saved by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. I know I'm saved. I know many of you are saved. Here is the deal. We still, and just read Romans 7. Can't read all of it. We still have the remnant of an evil heart. The remnant of it. And it will not go away until we have a a new beating heart in the new resurrected body when Jesus returns or when we're with him in heaven. We still have that remnant. Now, that's the center of our hearts. And you're like, where is that in the story of the wise men? When a king comes to another king, every human heart, there's a little King Herod. Okay, better news. Comfort of Jesus. The comfort of Christ. The comfort of Christ. This story uh, could easily say, you know, Jesus comforts all. You look at the wise men, different races. So the church goes a different race. Uh, it comforts skeptics, people who are questioning God, so the church should, should comfort. And, you know, it doesn't matter um, what you know or what you don't know. But if our starting point is the center of our hearts is sin and evil, then yes, God definitely accepts all. He even accepted me. I'll say me before you. He even accepts you. You may be on the paid staff of hell, okay? And there are people who are. You may be a missionary of wickedness and just have, you don't even know the difference between integrity and double tongues. Because it's just how so many folks roll. And it does not matter what you've done, who you are, where you're going, what you look like what your life plan is, what your bank account is. If you helped a nursing home or if you take a wish list for a foster child or if you go on a mission trip, you're in a group, it matters not. Because Jesus says, man, I'm, I'm here for all. What does matter is repentance. To say, I, I know the state of my heart and believe that Jesus took care of it on the cross. 
and the king, the real king, will not only accept you as you are, he delights in working through you. That's why, and we are going to be more and more mission-oriented to this city, to this community, to the world. I want it to flow out of joy. And if there's not joy, I'd love to have a conversation with you. And let's, let's talk about, let's literally have a heart-to-heart. Because I want it to be about joy. What he's done, he, I mean, he said it last week, you know, sometimes folks ask, are you a Christian? Of course. It's not, our response would be, man, can you believe it? I am. He took me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Neil. Hallelujah. He received me. Can you believe it? So there is comfort. There should be real comfort. There should be real joy. It should be like real joy. Because you're not king. And the kings you're trying to impress aren't king. And the real king accepts you. Something else of this passage, it gives us comfort in that uh, born in Bethlehem, backwoods, you know, what do you call it, redneck or hillbilly or po white trash or I don't know, poor brown trash or I don't know, if that's, you know, whatever. Nazareth, same. Uh, weak, insignificant towns. Now, our world values strength. You say, man, here she's stout, here she's strong. Um, you know, we value the centers of culture, L.A., New York, you know, definitely where culture and influence and money and power and fame definitely roll there a lot more than Mississippi. And they look down on us, and honestly, we look down on them. They're snobs, and we're snobs about snobs, okay? We are. Um, education, you know. Well, you gotta, you got to go to the right schools and not just have a high school diploma, okay? The gospel and the Bible, that is totally upside down. Totally turned around. You look through the Old Testament. Who did God choose? The weak, the insignificant. He didn't always choose the older son. He would choose the younger, the lesser son. David. David didn't even show up in the line for the kingdom. Like, not David. Uh, Women. God would always choose the women who thought were to be barren, um, who were not uh, not beautiful. Elizabeth. He came in places that was like, I mean, you had Rome and Jerusalem. Came in Nazareth and Bethlehem. Now, I think that that's telling us something like deeper than just like, well, he just uses, you know, uses us folks that aren't in the centers of power, wealth. or No, he's saying like everything else in the world and every other religion says be strong. And honestly, a lot of times we live that out. Remember, we'll say, man, they're, they're, they're strong, they're solid, they're stout. Do we ever say they're weak? Because Jesus said, I came for the weak. We don't want to appear weak. Weak's just saying, I need you. I need you, Jesus. Jesus came for the weak. Are you ready to be weak? Can you be weak? We can't. Not on our own. Because we've got 
there are so many forces pressuring in on us on look strong, act strong, solid, stout, whatever. And oh yeah, you know, those are the places you need to go to to have a voice, to have influence. D.C., New York, L.A., London, Paris. Definitely not in Polo, Mississippi. But yeah, like I said, we'll be snobs about snobs. Jesus said, man, I'll use anybody, anytime. But be weak. Be weak. You're like, well, be weak. Say, I need you. Repent. That's repentance. And believe. And then he will accept. And he delights working through you. And if this makes you uncomfortable, um, a pastor that, that I love who was in a center of influence, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, some of you like him, he was in London, one of the most famous preachers of the 20th century. Martin Lloyd-Jones said a preacher's task is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. I believe that. So some of you are very afflicted and you need to hear the word of, and God, God takes you as you are. I mean, there is a rhyme and reason and purpose. There's the comfort of Christ. But then some of you are very comfortable and you need to be afflicted that you're not king and the people you're trying to impress are not king and you're not looking to the true king. Last thing ties, ties to this. There's a challenge of the church, challenge of every church, challenge for me, challenge for a lot of you, that is, that the wise men did not return to Herod. Okay? Herod was the king of the land. They didn't go back. They were not influenced by him. You're like, hey, an angel, you know, the angel told them, so they, you know, they went on their way. Well, they, they could have gone back. Now, what's your point on that? The challenge of the church is, we like to be in the inner circles of whether you call it coolness or, or power I mean, Christians are called to be everywhere. Jackson, Mississippi, New York, L.A., New Albany, Yazoo City, everywhere, okay? But we like being in those inner circles of power, say, coolness. The challenge, we are not to be captivated or prejudiced to that. We're supposed to be everywhere, but many of us get captivated by that. We want to be in that inner ring, be in that inner circle. And we're prejudiced to people like that. It's just very, very tempting. It is tempting here in this little house, okay? It's tempting at Greek time. That's where you see it most. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge for me, a challenge for us. You've got to say that the comfort of Christ accepts all. The challenge for us is to be everywhere, but when you realize that, that that's, not, that's not the kingdom, they're not the kings, and you need to wake up and see that. I mean, in, in the center of Northeast Jackson, I mean, does anybody say amen? Maybe I'm off there. I mean, anybody besides Neil, amen on that? I mean, come on, guys. You know how this town rolls. No, this state rolls. And you, there has to be something. That's what I can always call it is a serene confidence. You can go into any, whether it is the governor's mansion or, you know, a dude who just won, you know, best actor or, you know, I don't know, rock and roll up in Nashville. I mean, you can walk in, but that doesn't define you. 
And you're not captivated by that. You're captivated by something greater. And when you hit that, that's when God's beginning to do a work in you. When you don't care what everybody else thinks. When you live for an audience of one, and that's Jesus, there is a difference. And anybody can have it. You can have it right now. Closing, here's what I'd say. The center of our hearts, this passage shows us. The center of our hearts, we are not king. I know that, no. (laughs) You are not king. The challenge of the church, of the church, of this church, of the church you're part of, they are not king. They are not king, nor will they ever be king. The comfort of Christ, the king of all, Lord of lords, the author of your life, and the only reason you're here. Talked about last week, Hebrews 1.3. He holds the universe. That king, and a lot of you don't know him that way, says, and I love you, I accept you. So I'll go back to the question. How do you respond? Do you respond by like, man, are we going to get out? We still got to do communion? No, it's not the response I'm looking for. That's not the response Jesus is looking for. Let me be just real with you. Are you <clears throat> responding like, man, I kind of know this. Well, then I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Are you responding, man, are you guilting me? I'm not. But I am laying it out. The go- this is the gospel. You can respond in joy. I respond in joy because I'm going to take communion and honor to lead communion, but I have an evil heart that is covered by the blood of Jesus. And it's the only thing that saves me. And I am very insecure, very insecure about what other people think. And I battle that daily, just like, if not all, many of you. And I dress it up. But I can find my true security in Jesus. And I am, I'm inching along in that. I'll say that. And I will not, I will not, even though physic, physically, in a physicality, if he doesn't come before, I'll see death, but I won't, won't be dead. I really believe that. Do you? Do you? You get all that, there's like joy. There's like, man, I'll be here Christmas Day. Man, you need a worship leader? Give me a hymnal, you know? I mean, that is... That is where I want you to go. Me. That's where I want to go. That's where you can. Together, but most of all in Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord, there are a lot of idols floating around. And you confront us with those. You press us and and you say, I am king. I I am supreme. I pray that we would let you be supreme. Not just for what you will give. Not just because how we want you to be, but who you are. So I I pray over the life of this church that um, there would be real joy. Real joy. Because it's hard to repent. It's hard to pray. It's hard to read our Bible. It's hard to forgive others. Uh, It is hard to commit to a small group. It's hard to be on mission. Uh, It's hard to... With all the other things, it's hard. When you're supreme, it's easy. I pray it would be easy and it be joyful. In Jesus' name, amen.